podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Nina Kalza Show. Oh my God, the Reds have made it a treble, another loss. Anfield no longer a fortress. Uh, what a horrible, embarrassing performance. Um, but it looks like they will be champions. I think our title challenge has gone. It was gone for some time, but today pretty much confirmed it. Heartbreaking stuff, awful stuff, disgraceful stuff at times. And um this show is brought to you in partnership with Liberty Shield, the perfect VPN companion for all your entertainment and privacy needs, where you get a massive 25% off using the coupon code AIVPN. Liberty Shields offers free VPN apps for iOS, Android, Amazon Fire Stick, Mac and Windows. Now that I've got that out of the way, you know what? I need to talk to some people. I need to talk to some intelligent people, people who are going to help me understand this game because for me, this show is all about closure and my guests feel the same way. So without further ado, let me introduce my guests. I've not spoken to them in ages and I hate the fact that they are on this pod after such a horrible loss, but I'm sure um, the conversation will be really, really analytical and colourful. So let me, without further ado, let me introduce my guest. First up, I have somebody who I've not spoken to in ages and he's even left the country. It is Mr. Andy Wales. Welcome back, Andy. Hi there, Nina. Yeah, I've left the country, but I can't escape this shit. <laughs> It follows you everywhere, doesn't it? Oh God, what what do you do, Andy? What do you do? Um, I'll get your thoughts in a minute. Um, I'm just going to introduce our second guest and our second guest. Oh, he's um he's so articulate. He's so well measured, and um, I absolutely love having him on the podcast. And you know, he's doing great, great stuff on uh on Rate Dot Hate. Without further ado, let me introduce in Tadiva. Tadiva, welcome back. Nina, this was meant to be a happy reunion. It really was. I'm so disgusted. I'm actually more pissed off at the fact that I've not spoken to you two awesome guys in forever. And, you know, I'm I'm having to deal with this. But <laughs> like I said, you know, like you two are like the, the shining beacon of hope on this podcast. So, guys, you know what? Um, uh, this podcast is all about emotions and how we're feeling. Because if, if you're new, um, welcome to the show. But it's literally, it's literally raw emotions. We literally finish a game and we jump on it and we talk about it. And, you know, a lot of it's quite emotive and things. So, um, Tadiva, because I've got you in, I mean, how are you feeling after that? Because, oh, it, you know, it, it was, it was a whooping. <laughs> it was a whooping. Um, I think maybe I'm not as angry as I would have been if if the mindset going into it was different i mean even in my on my prediction show i predicted that we were going to lose 2-0 and for mm. me to predict liverpool losing a game doesn't happen yeah. but um obviously with my heart i'm hoping that we pull something off but not with the way we're playing at the moment i just didn't see how we could beat this city side that's looked i think what six clean sheets in a row they had um, and it also didn't help that uh, I kind of checked out of us winning the league in about October. 
I was like, look, I'm happy with top four. And if we can get a deep run in, in Europe, that's like an added bonus or like a deep cup run, FA cup run, that would be a bonus. Um, and then we reset next season. So I've, I've been checked out of the season since October in terms of thinking we're going to get a title challenge. So maybe that's what helped me in this game is it just showed how far behind City we are at the moment. And obviously that's got to be taken into context of all the injuries, the type of season this is, you know, it doesn't really help us in terms of bringing that physicality we usually bring to games um, in terms of high pressing and all of that stuff. It's just playing against us uh, this season. We're, we're, We're kind of playing uphill it seems. Uh, also, no fans in the stadium. I mean, probably the biggest impacted team is Liverpool when it comes to fans at the state. It's just a horrible season, and this game summed it up for me. Yeah, I mean, you've got a team that absolutely thrives off crowds, and um, you know, and you know, in these kind of games as well, the crowd just completely motivates Liverpool and completely, um, you know. Um, throws Man City off. We've seen it many a times. I mean, Andy, I'll come to you and get your thoughts. I think Tadeva's made some sound points there. And for me, it is literally the team that is in form, you know, nine straight wins. I mean, it'll be 10 now. Um, facing a team that is, you know, really, really low on confidence. And you can see it from the play. Yeah. <clears throat> in a nutshell, yeah. I mean, uh, if I was to sum up today's game, I would just say the first half was what I expected and the second half was what I dreaded. Um, Yeah, they're full of confidence. They're playing really well. They're in a good place. We are not in a good place at all. I think any confidence that we got from the two wins back-to-back, Spurs and West Ham, was very fragile. And, yeah, it, it kind of crumbled quite quickly against Brighton and... And you could see in the game today, um, all it took was a couple of mistakes uh, and, and we were gone. We were absolutely gone. You know, mm. this team has been called mental monsters before. And, and you know, we, we've, we've come back from, from some real down points. You know, they, they've come back. They, they've shown they've got an appetite for adversity. Um, I think this is a real, real test for them now. They're now, now they've got to really show what they're about. This, this for me... This game, and obviously we're going to get into it fully, but this game for me is has got to be a turning point for us now. It really has to be. You know what? Um, this is so bad, right? Because I, I was like watching that when it went to 3-1, I just thought to myself, thank God we're not playing this weekend. You know, that it's FA Cup week and stuff. Because I literally am like just so tired of, watching the same kind of performance. I mean, that wasn't the same performance as what we put in against, say, Brighton and, you know, West Brom and those kind of teams. You know, I've I, what I found was, you know, when players like Alisson are making big mistakes, you know that they are mentally and physically just jaded. Like, they are just exhausted. They are tired. You know, I'm not using it as an excuse. It's never an excuse. But, you know, there is something wrong. Like, everyone's kind of lost their spark a little and I want to, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about the game, but I think the first talking point has to be, and we've got to address it, is the lineup. And um, to Diva, I'll come to you. Uh, you know, transfer deadline day, Liverpool getting two centre backs, you know, um, to kind of um, help us with the season. And um, 
there was a lot of talk on the Nina Casa show. How should Jurgen Klopp kind of field? What should he do? Blah blah blah. And um, you know, um, you know, will Fabinho be fit? But he played two midfielders as, as centre backs. I mean, what what was your thoughts on that? And because I completely understand it was maybe too soon to play two new centre backs or one new centre back because if they were on the end of that four one, it could have really, really like kind of killed their confidence. I think you've hit the nail on the head there at the end. Klopp wasn't going to put them into that. That's the hardest game to put someone into in the league. Maybe if we're playing them at the Etihad, you'd say it's the hardest one. But in terms of team matchups, that city team, you don't want to put someone, first of all, you don't want to put someone that's just come from the championship yeah. and, put, and put him in there. Yeah. I think that's quite unfair. And then also, um, Quebec, maybe Quebec would have been used to this type of game with no offense to Schalke with the way they've been losing games. He could have maybe helped the players out emotionally. Um, but no, seriously, in, in, in all seriousness, I I don't think that's Klopp's style to put uh, players under pressure like that. So I, I didn't expect them to play. Um, maybe after like, um, um, a couple of weeks, they'll they'll be thrown in there, but I, it's just not Klopp style to throw them in there. So I expected it to be one of the centre back combinations that we've seen throughout the season. None of the new boys starting, um, and especially because they weren't able to come on against Brighton. I thought maybe if like Ben, you know, if we were beating Brighton three nil, and then seventy minutes in, Ben Davies gets thrown on just to familiarise himself with the squad and and playing at Anfield and all of that. But coming in cold, I, I just didn't see that coming. And as I said, it's not Klopp's style. So yeah, uh, in terms of the the rest of the squad, I think it kind of just picks itself. Maybe the only one is starting Jones. Um, for me, I thought the reason we were going to be starting Jones there is at least he's going to be more ambitious, show more attacking threat. Mm. But it seems like Klopp has tempered that, not just for the whole squad, but for Jones specifically this season. I think he's given him way more instructions now this season, which obviously it's it's, it's a big season for Jones because earlier on he wasn't getting a lot of instructions. So it was more about you're a youngster, you go onto the pitch, do what you know, got you to this level to be able to play for Liverpool and then we'll let other people cover anything, you know, any shortfalls that come from that. But now he's actually fully ingrained in the rotation in the squad. So now he's been expected to play the role of someone in, you know, in that rotation, in the squad completely. And you can see, you know, certain breaks that we have where he's driving with the ball and then all of a sudden he stops and passes backwards. That's I don't, the, the team needs to stop that as a whole. I, I don't know why Klopp keeps asking them to do that. Yeah, it is, it is deeply frustrating. Steve Dubley just says, Davis played against Man City before and played well. You know, like maybe, you know, he, he could have maybe featured, um, I'm assuming that's a response to um, us on, on, on this uh, live chat on Discord. Uh, Andy, I'll come to you. I mean, talk to me about um, the whole situation with no centre-backs because... It's not it's not a desirable situation to be in, um, certainly against Man City. But obviously, they didn't really have like a, an out and out kind of striker at the, at the beginning as well. So, um, you know, Jurgen Klopp feels two midfielders. But for me, that kind of really does hamper. I mean, I would have maybe gone with one midfielder and one 
on one maybe a Nat Phillips or something you know the Hendo and um, Phillips combination was kind of working or maybe sit Fabinho in front of them or something that was my initial take on it so I'd love to get your thoughts on on the whole situation and also your thoughts on Jones as well because um despite all what um uh Tadiva said that about Jones and you know I think that is a really really good analysis on him I did think he was one of the bright sparks of, of the game and I was actually quite shocked to see him go off but we definitely needed some kind of spark in that midfield considering how awful we were against Brighton and how slow and you know sluggish we were yeah I'll, I'll, on the centre-backs first uh, on Davies what I would say is yeah, he may have played well against City before for pressing, but obviously that will have been in the cup. I think he'll have played against a different Man City, would have been a different mm. intensity level. And also what we did what he'd be expected to do in a Liverpool team will be completely different to what he'd be expected to do in a Preston team. So I I don't think there was any way he I never expected him to be starting the game. Um I I guess I, I hope that Quebec would start just purely that it would release um, Henderson back into the midfield because I think that the, some, something that really stood out in that uh, Brighton game was that run of games back to back to back so close together is we looked really really lethargic and we mm-hmm. especially looked lethargic in midfield yeah. now there's a lot, you know there's a lot of minutes in a short space of time for Thiago or players who players had you know a number of injury issues over the past few years um, also for James Milner who's, you know, know, mid-30s and really struggling with that. And Gene Van Alden as well, who looked, he looked knackered the other night. And and I thought he looked pretty tired today as well. So I I was hoping that we could start with Quebec to release Henderson into that midfield and we would get a bit more energy in there and a bit more bounce and the kind of things that you really need against a team like Man City. But I totally understand, you know, uh, Klopp's reasoning in the feeling that after, you know, probably maybe one, possibly two training sessions, mm. you know, or just kind of getting to meet players, that it was too soon for Quebec. I, I get that. And I, and I think at half-time, you would probably say he'd feel vindicated by that, by the state of the game at that, that moment. Um, I have got to say as well, is us signing the centre-backs on deadline day is so unlike us. And it, and it does kind of, it, it does send out the signals of desperation. You know, we weren't necessarily prepared as all. We had maybe decided we we might not do business unless something was particularly in our favour. And then we got to the point where we absolutely had to do it. And, and it did smack a little bit of desperation in the way things were scrambling around on the last day, which is totally unlike us. And I think that's almost like a reflection of this season in that we've not looked at ourselves. It's not the way we go about our business. Um, but onto the midfield, as I've said, I felt that he was quite lethargic in areas. But Jones, you know, he came on against West Ham, played really, really well, mm. added something to it. I was disappointed that he wasn't starting against Brighton. Same. Uh, that I was very, very surprised at our midfield selection against Brighton. I, I thought it was crying out for him to be starting that game. And I was pleased to see him start today. And I, I thought he had a solid game. I thought he, he had some really good moments in there. And I was disappointed that it was him going off, uh, not just because of how he played, but also 
with Shakiri coming on, we changed the shape. You know, we went to two in the middle. We basically handed the midfield over to Man City, and within five minutes, you know, we go we're losing again. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, the injuries. A lot of the injuries, it can't. You know, this isn't our excuses. It's just, it's very difficult to deal with. But I think there are issues in games where Jurgen Klopp is really going to have to take a look at himself this season, where he's making some strange decisions, I feel, in terms of team selections and his in-game management. Some of the things that he's doing uh, I find quite odd. Uh, and, and to take Jones off today when he was playing well, I, I felt that was quite an odd one, especially seeing as he would be the freshest of the three. If anyone, you know, I understand Thiago going off because of, again, the minutes and the legs. And perhaps... You know, if he was going to be taking another one off, I could understand if it was maybe Vinaldum, and at that stage, why not bring her back on? But uh, you know, for all that, yeah, Jones had a really good game today, and I do think this season, what I was, what I did feel earlier in the season, that he needed to be able to move the ball a little bit quicker. That when you see Naby Keita on the ball, the decision making is a bit sharper, it's a little bit quicker. Whatever he's going to do, he does it a little bit quicker with the ball, uh, and I think Jones has got better at that. But in the midst of that, he's kind of become a bit more of, res- of a reserve player. And I think Tadi were mentioned, as to, uh, sorry, as Tadi were mentioned, that is probably a lot in the way that in the instructions that he's getting from Klopp, what he wants him to do. And he's become more of a recycler than a chance taker in possession. So, um, you know, the, he's got a bright future. And today was a good performance. And I think he fully deserves to be starting the next game. Yeah, he does. He absolutely does. And Tadeva, I'll come to you because let's kind of talk about the first half. And Andy kind of said it was how he kind of expected it to be. And, you know, we were um, halfway through the first half and, uh, you know, not a single, I don't think we had a shot on target. I don't think they had a shot on target as well. It was almost, you know, like we were just kind of waiting. I mean, we were certainly on the fences. We looked quite nervous. I definitely, for the first time in a very long time against the Man City side, I saw Liverpool looking quite nervous. And I understand why, given the fact, you know, they've been on, you know, the receiving end of like that, that loss against Brighton, for example. And you're kind of watching it. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't the usual kind of game that you expect from a Liverpool City kind of yeah, match that- that that first half was very tactical from i think both managers were kind of going with the mentality of we don't want to get blown out of the water in the first half um and then if if like that game the the way it was playing out summed up how liverpool have been playing since you know the center back crisis has started which is we're going to play really conservatively because we're scared of being counted. And we've got enough good players up front, you know, just highlighting the front three. We've got enough players up front that even if we play conservatively, they're, going, they're good enough to create chances and or score goals out of nowhere. So we'll, we'll play conservative make sure we don't concede. And then if we get the, you know, obviously if we get the bone, uh, a goal from, you know, something good up top, it, it's, it's a bonus. But what we're not going to do is we're not going to risk going all out to go get the ball. We're not going to have the fullbacks bombing forward. We're not going to try and break four and four in counterattacks and, and really drive at them and 
try and break them down that way. We're going to try the patient approach because if we do it that way, then the other team can't counter us. And both teams came into the game with that um, mindset. And and that's what uh, showcased in that first half where neither team was bombing too many players forward or trying to break really fast on the counter-attack. They were kind of waiting for everyone to catch up to play and then see if we can break the team down. And to me, that stems from we're pretty worried that we're going to get um, blitzed on the counter-attack by pace. So we're just going to play really conservatively. Yeah, that was certainly one thing that this game kind of really lacked was the pace and intensity, and we looked really, really slow. But um, I'm just going to cut in for a minute because I believe we do actually have a caller joining us. Um, it's it's Dave D on Discord. Um, Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah, you're going to have to unmute, Dave, the little mic button. Yay. Yeah, can you hear me? We can hear you, Dave. Welcome yeah, to the show. Yeah. Thank you. You okay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, as well as can be. Uh, yeah, probably the same as everyone else, I bet. Mm. Go on then. Share your thoughts. Um, you could drive yourself mad with this. You really could, couldn't you? Um, I think probably the the biggest concern that I have at the moment looking at this side is you can lose, you can get beat badly, sort of trying, really giving it everything, you know, fighting for every ball type of thing. They A lot of them just look like they're feeling a bit sorry for themselves would be my biggest thing right now. And there's there's a million things, and I agree with a lot of what's been said about centre-backs, tiredness, all those things. But I think if we were to ask them some real hard questions in that dressing room, are they really fighting? Are they really giving it everything? I think it's. The, I know it's a big thing, but I think there is some times where I think so far I've got it down is Klopp's told us that the teams had I think it's three heart to hearts or serious chats with each other. I think he called it, and this is the sort of it's not a one off. Let's be honest, this City performance has been pretty bad at home for a while. I think the mm. the most interesting thing at the moment is as well is. The people out of the team, like Jota and Cater, they're going to find it quite easy to to switch in, considering the performances being turned on by by those who are at the moment. It's it is a difficult one. I think maybe maybe a team comes to the end of the cycle. I know that's dramatic, but you know it's probably one of those nights at the moment, isn't it? Oh. Andy, I'm, I'm going to come to you because you kind of touched on mentality monsters and it kind of ties in quite nicely with what Dave's kind of saying there. You know, they've had heart-to-hearts. I've been seeing that floating around on social media as well, but certainly today, and um, it's good that Dave brought it up. But Andy, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this because, I, I mean, I'd like to get your thoughts on the end of the cycle thing as well because we know what happened at Dortmund. We know what happened with the players. We know that, you know, at the end, he ran those players into the ground. However, all his best assets were kind of stripped away from him in terms of Bayern Munich, you know, sort of buying, you know, cherry picking, you know, some of his key players. But for me, I still think there's something left in the tank and I just think we are playing in a very, very strange situation. But... I'd like to get your thoughts on the whole pity party thing because as soon as we those errors happened from El Allison, like the first one, for example, our heads just dropped. There was no fight. We were tanked. We were gone. 
And that did not happen last season. We don't do that last season. No. I mean, this whole thing, obviously, this season is very, very different. You know, the whole COVID thing and the fact that the season, last season didn't end until so late on. It went into the summer. There was no true pre-season and then we're straight into this season and it's so congested and it's so condensed that, yeah, it isn't a normal campaign. That is that is something that no matter how anyone wants to avoid it, that, that is a factor. That absolutely is a factor. And, and the injuries are also a factor. And it's not an excuse because it, it is quite simply a factor. I mean, if people have wanted to write off this team and questioning, oh, you know, is, does this mean Liverpool are gone? Yet at the same time, Harry Kane misses a few games for Spurs and they can't win a game. And, you know, the, the response is, you know, Spurs are missing Harry Kane. Well, Liverpool are missing all three senior centre-backs, along with uh, Jota and along with Naby Keita. And we've got midfielders playing at centre-back. And all the disruptive injuries throughout the season, you know, it's of Alisson, Fabinho, uh, missing Salah, Mane. You know, it's it has an effect. There's no two ways about it. It absolutely has an effect. But the big thing is is as as Dave mentioned, is about that fight. You know, the last thing that should go with any team is the fight, the guts, the desire. And that sadly evaporated all too quickly once once City scored their second goal. And and you know the, the the team can have a heart to heart every single week. It can only go on so long, and it'll have to be sorted out. And ultimately, that'll come down to Jurgen Klopp and his management team and Edwards. They're going to have to look at that and reevaluate. You know, do do we have the mentality still within the squad to go on and win the title back next season? Because let's you know, we're under no illusions here. The, the title got is gone now. It's gone. Yeah. So do we have the mental ability to go back and win it back next season? Now, we've, you go back with this team and we lost that Champions League final to Real Madrid and we came back the following season and we won it. You know, and the same season that we won it, we lost the title to Man City in that unbelievable, you know, 98 and 99 points. And we came back and we won it. So they've proved they and they've shown before that they are capable of doing this. But you always had the encouragement throughout that that the team had the fight, had the desire, had the guts to to be up for it, and would scrap to the absolute last second for anything. Last season, if there was two minutes to go and we were losing, you would still believe we could get a goal. This season, there could be twenty minutes left. And you're not you're not you're not convinced that we're going to get a goal. We 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 definitely lack a little bit of something. Maybe it is a bit of mental fatigue to go with the physical fatigue. Maybe it is. Um, but in terms of you know the the cycle for this team, I think as a team, I think it's it's way too soon to say that. And there's too many good players. It may be the end of the cycle for a couple of the players, and that's a natural evolution of any successful team that as you go along one or two players will get phased out and somebody else comes in now with Ginny Van Alden as things stand he'll be out of contract at the end of the season so he could well be going anyway 
I wrote an article back in November on Bobby Firmino, um, and his form has been a concern for well over a year now. And I and I said, well, is Erling Haaland the next evolution for this Liverpool team in terms of what what we do at centre forward position? And Bobby Firmino could revert to number ten. He could do other roles. He could still be there, but this team needs to start looking. And it's the succession planning because the forward line are now getting older, now at the end of their 20s. So we want to be successful. We can't sit on our hands and just keep pointing back and saying, yeah, they were great. Wasn't that fantastic? We want to, we want to win season after season after season and turn this trophy winning team into a dynasty. Then it, it's got to be a constant evolution. And, and I don't think you can write a full team off or even half the team it you know that they've showed the capacity for it before so but the, this there's real question marks here this season um and and let's see what they're about like i said at the start of the show let's let's see what they're about in the next game after this and the mistakes and getting a thump in let's see what they're about uh, and i'm sure Klopp and edwards are looking at this week on week uh, and you know Maybe, maybe it will be a time for you know two or three to be moved on and to be replaced. But I, I, <laughs> emotions are all over the place after a performance yeah, like that, and it's, it's I, I get it. it. Yeah, it's it's really difficult. Certainly straight after the game as well, where you've not had time to really register and you're having to come on here and speak live and share your thoughts. Tadeva, I'm going to come to you because um you know um from Dave's points, I'd like to get your thoughts on what Andy has said. And you and I always talk about um, the human element of things. And every time you've been on the podcast, we always kind of speak about this as well. So, you know, I think, I think you know, Andy's absolutely spot on in terms of saying that, you know, we, we, you know, there are some players that we do need to kind of replace or look at because what you don't want to end up is in, in a situation of like that great AC Milan side where they just got wheeled out till they were all on their last legs. And, you know, I'd say about 10 years later, they're still on a rebuild job. And I want to get your thoughts on the human element of things because a lot of our players, and I'm not using it as an excuse, but a lot of our players are very sociable people. The likes of Roberto Firmino and stuff, you know, you, you see them on social media and, you know, even Jurgen Klopp as well. And, you know, I think, you know, the the effect of this pandemic and their home lives as well. And, you know, this is a factor for all footballers and all professionals, but it does take its toll and I'd like to get your thoughts on that element of things as well of how difficult it you know it must be and another thing as well um you know Dave kind of mentioned there that they're kind of feeling sorry for themselves and I'm sat here whilst he made those points and I'm thinking about Virgil van Dijk then is he the true leader was he the guy that said get up pull yourselves together you know is he the captain without the armband essentially well I'll I'll touch on the the human side, um, I think you know me too well because that's that was what was spinning in my head um, as Dave was speaking. Knew it, I knew it. But in terms of just if you think general sports um, personnel, these are you know majority are if we're talking male sports, these are guys that are in their twenties, some maybe in their thirties that are earning like you know on average, let's say seventy k a week. And they're being told, drive to the training ground and then drive back home. 
drive to their training ground, drive back home. Like they can't go on holidays. They can't like spend their money. Like, and it's, it's like the money is burning a hole in them. So you can just imagine, for example, you can just imagine Trent, like young kid playing for Liverpool, just won the Premier League title as a hometown hero. He wants to be hanging out with his friends, talking about the awesome time, you know, spending, like that part of it is completely taken out. We don't know how that affects each individual player. Like if we take our own lives, just, you know, especially in the UK, constantly being in lockdown, how that has affected us mentally. But when we come to the players, we tend to forget that it affects them mentally as well. They, As you say, they're humans. So that's a factor. But I think the thing is, every single team is going through this as well. So we can't necessarily use that as an excuse for Liverpool, but it certainly piles on. So it's like an add-on. It's an extra thing that that, that is weighing them down. In terms of um, the cycle of the team, the interesting thing is this was meant to be... So this season that we're having now is meant to be the season we, we would be having next season when we when we're starting to tail tail off when we may be thinking okay now we need to bring in new blood or we should have brought in new blood um the previous transfer window that those type of conversations should have been happening after this season this season was when the plateau was meant to happen and we were at pretty much the peak of our power it's it's basically the season that we lost to real madrid in uh, the Champions League. That was Real Madrid's last plateau season. And then you saw they started to dip after that. So, and, but they went and won that Champions League. And then after that, they've dipped. So that, that was meant to be our season this season, was we go and either retain the Premier League or go win the Champions League again. Um, and then we now have to start slowly doing the rebuild. And the biggest signing that can tell you that this was the mentality of the club in, in general is we brought in Tiago. You don't bring in a 29-year-old world-class midfielder at the, you know, at the amount of years that he's got left as a final piece to squeeze. So what, he, what Tiago was meant to be for this team was to squeeze out the last bit of juice that was left in this team's peakness. Mm and get as many trophies as we can, and then we start the recycle. And all of that is entailed with the, the, the whole Klopp being asked. It was so key that Klopp signed that extension because they needed Klopp to be there for the rebuild. They didn't want the rebuild to, happen, you know, to be a new manager coming in because it would have been unfair on them. So, this, so stuff like I say, signing the Thiago, not selling Genie, you know, even though we know Genie wants to leave, Usually we would have sold, you know, like the Coutinho's and stuff like that. We sell them because we don't want to lose them on the free. But keeping Genie that extra year and saying, well, we can try and convince him throughout the year, but we know he wants to leave. Um, but at least we're going to have, you know, Genie in our team. So that's another midfielder that we don't have to retrain or anything. like. It's just all those things are trying to squeeze that last little bit. And then you can start the rebuild. But... And, and, and I wouldn't be surprised, and I'm pretty confident in saying this without actually knowing that this happened. They would have had this discussion with the players, especially the key players. So the Salas, the Manes, the Fabinho's, etc. Don't leave. This is like, we're going to squeeze trophies out. Give us another year or two. Then maybe if you want to leave, you know, we'll, 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 we'll send you off with trophies in, in your trunk and stuff like that. So think of all those players, and we bring the human element back in here. Think of all those players, the Salas, the Manes, the Fabinho's, the Allisons, 
they all had that conversation. They knew this was probably the last season, this team, the core of it was going to be together before we start rebuilding. So they knew, okay, we got to go win trophies now. Then you get Van Dyke get injured. Then you're like, oh, crap. Like, <laughs> we just lost the best center back in the world when we were meant to be going to win trophies. And we know what it took for us to go win those trophies that we won over the last couple of years. And now we've just lost one of the key elements of that. Okay, it's fine. We, we still out Matip and Gomez. We can, we can still get some. Oh, Gomez is injured as well. Crying out loud. Okay, Fabinho, dude, you got to go play center back. Now, now we're like, oh, crap. Now we've lost Fabinho in midfield. Like, so from a human element, I wouldn't be surprised if these players are thinking, well, we're definitely not going to do it now. Um, because we know what it took last time to go and do it. And we've just, we keep losing pieces. So we're not going to do it. And a little example of that, a very small example of that is, if you look at, um, Andy mentioned when Kane got injured for Spurs. Now, if you look at the start of Spurs' season, how well they started, a big factor in that was the unknownness of Gareth Bale. Because Gareth Bale was coming back into the Premier League, coming back to that Spurs team. They've got Mourinho. They've bought into the system of Mourinho. And they're thinking, if we can get Bale going, we could absolutely fly. We could go and win things. And then the players start to realize, mm, this isn't the Gareth Bale that left England. I don't know if we have enough. And then, but okay, it's fine. We still got Kane. And then Kane goes and gets injured. And then the players are just like, well, like, what are we going to do now? So that human element of it, we don't really discuss it as fans and we don't really see it as fans. But these are all factors that will be playing in the players' minds while still having to play the game itself. And I, I, think, I think it's the fact that the players knew this was the season where they were going to go and try and squeeze out a few more trophies. And the moment the injuries happened, the moment we started moving people in different positions, they started to not believe in that. And... Unfortunately, in the Premier League, you can't not believe in a target. Like, the players are kind of playing like, oh, we'll still make top four, regardless. Like, we'll still make it. You know what I mean? That's, that's what I'm seeing at the moment. The players are like, we'll still make top four. They're no longer playing like, we have to win every game because if we don't win every game, City are going to go and win the league. I mean, City are going to go win every game, which means they'll win the league. The mentality's shifted in the players. Mm. And that is coming through at the moment. And... Priorities have changed, haven't they? Yeah, they have. They really have. It's unfortunate because, as I said, this was uh, this would have been the plateau season for us before we started the rebuild. And if we have to start that rebuild a little bit early, uh, it's going to be a very scary summer for us. It really is, and I really love that point that you made about you know, um, you know. The, the players on the pitch and the human element of that, you know, like, for example, like a Jones or a, or a Ginny thinking, well, hang on a minute, I can't advance that forward now, or I have to be quite conservative in what I'm doing or any, any midfielder for that example, because Fabinho isn't my shield. And, you know, in my, it's, it's, it's an impact that, you know, it affects our fullbacks. You know, Trent had a few um, bad games when he came back from his injury and, you know, he, it took him a while, but also what we need to remember is he's no longer 
And, you know, same with Andy Robertson, you know, it's no longer Virgil van Dijk and Joe Gomez, you know, the, the high line isn't there. You're not that assured, you know, you're playing with midfielders and, you know, do you really want to leave them exposed? Do I, do I sit back? What do I do? And these are all these questions that these guys are constantly asking themselves. Yeah, they might be on the same pitch together, but they're not playing in the same position with each other. And I love the fact that you touched on that. And Andy, I'm going to come to you because I feel like, you know, again, you know, we're, we're talking about this and we're a bit everywhere and emotions are a bit everywhere. But, you know, it is a domino effect because, you know, um, it, it was, it's, you're looking at this game and you see what happens and, you know, um, it's one all and you think, okay, we're back in it. All things are looking great. And, you know, and then, you know, a head fuck moment from your, your senior best player. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, literally, and I, I've seen a lot of backlash for the likes of Alison today, but, you know, um, he, he's, he's been phenomenal for us. And, you know, for me, I'm at that stage where I'm just thinking, you know what, this season is so messed up and it's, it's a head, it's a clusterfuck. And I'm just going to, like, like Tadeva said, I think just focus on top four now and possibly try doing well in the Champions League. But, that goalkeeper has saved our bacon so many times. And for us to lose, um, you know, we, he didn't play against Brighton. It's his first game back. And for his head to kind of wobble like that and people comparing him to um, Adriana and stuff, right? it's just the mind boggles. Yeah. Uh, just one thing before we move off the mentality thing that it popped into my head is... Go for it. Last season, we'd won the title so early on. and. Let, let's face it, the rest of the season was pretty much an extended lap of honour out on the pitch. And I do kind of wonder whether the players almost thought like, you know, it was like a tap that we could turn it back on. And, I, and I'm beginning to think like, what about, Ooh. you know, would we have been better served if we'd have actually won the title with, say, like one or maybe two games to go? You know, because we wouldn't have had that that freedom to mentally kind of switch off for the rest of that season and um, would we perhaps have been a bit more focused but that that's anyway that's just me thinking out loud uh, on that one on Alisson look this is not the first time Alisson has made costly errors with his kicking we've seen it before his first season he had a couple of Leicester games. wasn't it the Leicester game yeah that mm. that sticks out you know he is to my mind the best goalkeeper in the world However, yep. he's as brilliant as he is. Everything, everyone, every player has a flaw. And his flaw is every once in a while, he has these inexplicable moments with his kicking. And unfortunately today, he had, you know, two or three moments with, uh, where he made some horrendous, uh, horrendously bad decisions with the ball at his feet. Uh, two of them were pretty much together. He thought he got away with it. and then. You know, it didn't. And look, he is not Alice. He is not um, Adrian. Absolutely, he's not Adrian. He is a class above. And like you said, look, this guy has saved us so many more points than he's ever cost us with his feet. Mm. So, you know, you're going to start pointing the finger at him and calling him the new carriers and Adrian or Mignolet or anything like that. You really do need to give your head a shake. And go back and look at the contribution he's made to this team and how important he's been across the 
you know, across the success that we've had. You just go back to that um, that season where our team transformed from being a really good team and contenders to becoming uh, title winners. Uh, well, to becoming trophy winners, I should say, in the Champions League. That game away at PSG where we, we lost, however, were it not for Alisson making a couple of phenomenal saves, that goal difference would have been enough to send us out at the group stages. So, you know, short memories. Alisson's a tremendous goalkeeper. He was ill midweek. Was that a factor in mistakes he made today? I don't know. Like I said, he's made mistakes before, and I'm sure he'll make mistakes again because every player makes errors. And obviously, when you're a goalkeeper, errors are, um, you know, often a little bit more costly and, and they're more under the microscope because of the naturally just the position that they play. And he's a tremendous goalkeeper. And what we've seen from him before is when he has made mistakes, he is mentally resilient. He will come back from it. And anyone making important saves for us again, he has just been so, so important. One-on-ones, if, if a player's coming, an opponent's coming through one-on-one and they're against Allison, I feel confident he's going to save it. And I don't feel like that with any of the goalkeeper. So, yeah, he made really, really bad mistakes today and they did cost us goals. And in the context of the game, that was a real turning point. However, you know, to pin the whole game on him would be wrong because it was a collective yeah. in, in the second half. There, there, you know, there wasn't just him. There were other players making mistakes. There were other head players with their heads going down. And, and like I said as well, I felt that the changes that Jurgen Klopp made were not necessarily correct. That tactical change in the midfield, I thought, was an error. So, you know, everything coming together and in the, the context of this season and where our confidence is, those, those errors were just more costly than I think they normally would be, and especially against an opponent as good as Man City. So, yeah, he'll hold his hands up, I'm sure he will. But to question him now, yeah, short memory. Absolutely short memory. And um, in Discord chat there, Leila's just put in some quotes from Jurgen Klopp from Neil Jones, um, from Neil Jones' Twitter handle. Klopp, I said to Alison, we have stands. You can shoot the ball there. In the first half, Ali played exceptional football. Then in the second half, he didn't in the beginning. We all have, we've all had nights like this. Tomorrow, he will be okay again. Just kind of highlighting what you said there, Andy, in terms of bouncing back. Tadiba, let me get your thoughts on, you know, the, 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 the quality goalkeeper that is, um, Alison and, you know, the fact that, you know, you know, sometimes I'm going to be honest with you, and this is going to sound awful, but if there's an error to be made and we're going to have costly errors, I'd rather it be done by our more senior players. Like when Virgil van Dijk makes an error, I'm okay with it. Not that I'm okay with it. What I'm saying is I feel like there are certain players that get dragged through the mud by our fan base. Uh, you know, they get abused. Um, and um, people like Alison and, you know, the likes of Virgil van Dijk, because they are just truly world class, I feel like, first of all, they've got the mental resilience to bounce back from it. You know, like what happened to Carrius was horrendous, by the way, the, ab- the online abuse he got. But I feel like if there's an error to be made, I'd rather it be from that kind of player. I think the key thing about that is we know, like you can pretty much guarantee, and this is 
probably me cursing him now, but you can pretty much guarantee that this isn't going to happen for a while again. Like everyone's going to make a mistake at some point in time on a football field. It's going to happen. And as Andy says, it's not one of his strengths. But the thing with the Allisons and the Van Dykes and what makes them so good is that they will make a mistake this game, but you won't see them make a mistake for another like 20 games or something like that. That That's probably why it's easier to, to, to take a mistake from them than someone else. Because if Adrian makes this mistake in this game, everyone's worry is he's going to do this in the next game and it's going to be a game that, let's say, we're winning and we're now drawing or something. That's the fear. But with Allison, I'm, I'm, from my perspective, I'm like, I'm just glad both of those mistakes happened in one game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and in this game, in a game where we were really under it for most of it, and, you know, even the goal that we scored was a penalty. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like we were on top of the game or we're going to go and win it, not with the way we were playing, I don't think. So I'd rather him make the mistake in this game and both those mistakes happen. It's, only, it's still just three points opposed to two of those happening in two consecutive games. That's the positive that I took out of it. And then also the fact that knowing that because it's Allison, it's unlikely to happen again anytime soon. Um, And then also the fact that because we're a team that plays out the back, this is going to happen at least once a season, if not two or three times a season. You have to, that, that's part of the risk of playing like this is that when it doesn't come off, it, it's really horrible and you probably are going to concede, but it comes off more times than it doesn't. So it, it, it makes up for it in the end. It's just unfortunate that it happens in a big game against city. And now people think, you know, the hopes of the title race is now over is now dawning on people. So maybe that's why it's blown up a bit more, but you got to factor that these things are going to happen at least two or three times in a season We've only had it happen once, I think, uh, a keeper messing up the clearance. So don't be surprised if it happens again at some other point in the season. I just hope that it's not something that costs us points because we're running out of games where we can allow ourselves to to lose points if we want to get top four. We do, absolutely. And Dave D, um, just in there as well, sort of saying um, Edison's been caught out so many times to risk with style of play. Yep, um, you know, same applies to a player like Nabi Keita as well. Yeah, he gets... He loses the ball. That's because he's willing to do that whole, you know, that whole risk thing in terms of playing a forward pass. Andy, I'm going to come to you. I mean, this pod is all about closure. We speak about this game and then we get it out of our system really quick. And there wasn't many positives to talk about. And you've kind of highlighted Jones there in terms of, you know, playing really well. And I think what I want to kind of look at is maybe the substitutes. And I think I might ask you this question. Um, I found Klopp's substitutions to be very, very strange today. Um, in, in the sense that, you know, we, we kind of spoke about James Milner. It was 1-1 at this point and he decides to take off, you know, um, you know, Thiago, we understand he got that early yellow card and maybe tired as well, maybe managing players uh, and stuff. But, uh, you know, bringing on like a, James Milner, I don't think, you know, those kind of players um, help the cause of, of what maybe we wanted to do or certainly to angle the win. No, as I mentioned before, you know, I, I was somewhat puzzled by, by the substitutions and the timing of them as well. You know, at that point, we were in a pretty decent position within the game. You know, we got ourselves level. 
did it seem quite defensive to you? Like, well, usually when you look at substitutes, you kind of, you can angle or kind of gauge what a manager's thinking or what he's kind of settling for, or what he's willing to settle for. What did you make of that sub? Because I just thought, okay, is he tightening up here? Is he happy with the point? In some ways, yeah, but then in other ways, you look at it, and like you said, you know, for me, we, we surrendered a body in the central midfield area where we were effectively uh, allowing control to switch over to Man City. Uh, and I think it's just such a, it's such a risky, dangerous move to make against a team who, who relish the control. Uh, and, and once you, you, know, you hand over the midfield, it's, you know, it's a key area of the pitch. So you know, taking, taking two central midfielders off uh, to bring on one and yeah, Milner has the energy, but as we've seen, you know, he, his legs are not there. He he's made some important contributions this season and to this team, James Milner. You know, he really has. Uh, and I think in terms of his personality, his leadership, and his attitude, everything as much as anything that he can do with the ball at his feet. But that that move today, I I look, I could have. I, I could have absolutely been on board with, say, Milner coming on um, for for Thiago. As we mentioned, you know, Thiago's had a lot of minutes in a in the you know short space of time, and he'd had that yellow card. And, and you know, I've got this issue with Thiago going to ground for virtually every tackle he makes. And you know, Gary Neville was was questioning how um, Thiago gets away with it. You know, and, and I'm thinking, are you for real? Uh, it, virtually every single tackle that Thiago makes is flagged as a, as, as a free kick, regardless of whether it's a foul or not. So I, I'd, I'd be on board with Milner coming on for Thiago, maintaining the three in the midfield area. And if it was just literally just freshening things up there, there's some legs. And, and Milner, for 20, 25 minutes, absolutely, he will go and he'll run and he will press them down. But to make the two changes and especially taking off Jones who had had, had a, a good game uh, and, you know, spoiler alert, I thought was our best player. It, it was just a very, very strange move. It, it really was. And, and I, I struggled, I struggled to get my head around that one at the time. And I still don't really see the, the, the logic behind that one in terms of uh, bringing Shakiri on because that, that change of shape, we, we just didn't benefit any anything from it at all. Um, it's I, I just like you say at the time and now I still find it a strange one, and and I'm sure internally Klopp will look at that and think, yeah, you know, did we do the right thing there? Yeah, I was um, really really perplexed and puzzled by that as well but um, unfortunately it's happened and hopefully we don't make those mistakes again and Tadiva I'll, I'll come to you about regarding club subs because I know you're you know again you're very much like Andy which is why you two complement each other so much um, what, what did you make of, of the subs and what did you gauge from it you know what was your thought process when those players came on because it wasn't really inspiring for me <laughs> no not at all um, I think <laughs> Bringing Milner on that late in the game is is fine for a City game because I think the thing with Milner is he's still one of the fittest guys in the team. So the long distance running and stuff like that is still fine for him. So I think bringing him on that late, at least the players maybe have gotten the sprints out of themselves. So they're kind of the game now comes to his level. It's sort of like the tortoise and the hare type of situation. Like Milner 
is at like 60% of everyone's capacity. And then as the game goes on, everyone drops their capacity to 60 and Milner just maintains 60. So the, I think the pace of the game is now at, at a level that Milner's like comfortable with and he won't get like completely exposed. At, but in terms of tactically, my issue with it, and I, I suppose it, it goes deeper, deeper than just one game. It's, it's the fact that because you've got the injuries at center back, and as we said, we're playing conservatively because we're trying to keep the score low and, and we trust that the guys up front, or we've got enough good and creative players that will get goals so we can go and like win games 2-1 and stuff like that. My issue is that's not happening at the moment. So you're still conceding goals. I can't remember the last time we kept like proper clean sheets. Uh, back-to-back clean sheet. So you're still conceding goals. So clearly that plan isn't working, the whole try and stop them scoring by being conservative. At least change the mindset to go and say, okay, then we're going to go and outscore teams. Because we certainly got that firepower in our team to go and outscore teams. We don't have the mentality or the, the, the player, the personnel that we had last season where we can say we can hold teams to one goal. And we know we can go and get this, you know, the two goals up top. At the moment, teams are scoring two, three goals against us and stuff like that. So embrace what you do have. We've got the attacking players. Go out and try and outgun teams. But I think the issue is with managers like Klopp is that it's very much trust the process and trying not to give players an excuse not to trust the process because then it just fundamentally breaks down what those style of managers are trying to do. It's similar with like the Mourinho's where certain managers, if the system's not working, they're going to bring on subs and they're going to change it that way. Like change formation, bring on subs, change the completely the style of play that you're going to do. Whereas the guys like Klopp, they don't want to do that because then that gives players an excuse of if they're not playing well, they'll be like, Oh, it's fine by 60th minute the manager will change it then we can really go for it no the manager says to them no i'm keeping the system you guys have to believe that this is going to get you the end result keep going keep going keep going and it's why for example Klopp, when he first came he got really upset with fans for gasping and getting annoyed when moves broke down at the final bit he he, he always encouraged no clap them so that they keep doing that same thing because they need to learn to trust that 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 process is going to result in the goal I think the issue that Klopp's having at the moment is that he needs to say to the players, look, this is obviously we've got the whole trust the process system and that's what's done well for us. But in this exceptional case where we littered with the injuries, we've got, you know, the whole pandemic issue just for this point in time, we're not necessarily going to trust this process. We need to go a different route. Tactically, we need to change how we, approach games we need to go and outgun teams instead of trying to control teams and and win the game that way i think you know i haven't seen that this season yet from him that he's willing to do that to change to change the system that way even with the subs today did we see a a a change in how we were approaching our attacking play it was still conservative to me I, i didn't see much different even though, you know, he changed the play. So when I say um, from a tactical perspective, I'm not necessarily saying if he now goes 4-2-3-1, three, 
the system completely changes. Because we even if we're playing four three three or if we're playing four two three one or no matter what the shape of the team is, our approach is still the same. Like we're still doing the same things. It's just the people are in maybe different positions um on a piece of paper in terms of four four two or whatever that system. But how we approach our attacking build up, how we approach the runs that we're making, it's all still the same. And until Klopp shifts that mentality, more of this is going to happen. We're going to have games like the West Ham game where we'll go and win and everyone will think everything, you know, we're back to normal, we're Liverpool's back and everything. Then we're going to have games like City where we just look impotent up top. And it, it, it's, it's just the way the season's going to go. I don't know. I, I, I keep going back to that's why I checked out in October because I haven't seen until I see... Klopp abandoning this control teams mentality. I don't see how, you know, how it's going to address the lack of goals and also the amount of goals we are conceding opposed to last season where we knew we weren't going to concede that many goals. Like pick a struggle, Klopp. You can't, you know, you know, we, if you don't have the defenders, go and attack. You can't not have the defenders and also try and control possession and then act surprised when you then go and lose a lot of the games because the personnel isn't there that you had last season. Uh, that, that's just my, my thought process on it all. No, you're absolutely spot on there about, you know, okay, you've not got the defenders. Okay, that's absolutely fine. Um, You know, just attack, you know, if it means having to play, you know, uh, a makeshift defence, throw one new one in or one defender and one midfielder, but shore up, put in your best midfielders in into those positions, strengthen up that way at the, at like a shield and be quicker. You know, like you said, don't be so ponderous in possession, you know, be quick because that was one thing that we were deadly at was being absolutely cutthroat in transitional play and, you know, just to move the ball quicker. And that just naturally just frightens people. Let those players that relished last season, let them play to them their strengths, despite the fact that they're having to work with somebody that they're not so comfortable with um, in terms of... um maybe a new player in personnel, you know, you just got to let it go. Um, guys, I think we've pretty much come to the end of the pod. Um, before I go, um, uh, any final thoughts you want to share about, you know, maybe this game or maybe going forward? Um, I'm at, I'm going to get it off my chest first. I am really, really looking forward to one game a week because I think what Jurgen Klopp really needs to do is work with these new defenders and bed them in. I'm really looking forward to this week off as well. So they'll get some training sessions under them. Club to kind of get them up to speed, you know, bring them up to where they need to be. And hopefully, and hopefully we turn that corner and we finally see the likes of Fab and, you know, potentially Hendo back in that midfield. And we have some rotation in the legs because as I, as Andy pointed out, our midfield is looking a little leggy now. Um, Andy, I'll come to you. Any, any closure, any thoughts that you want to share? Uh, just one thing on the mistakes, really. Uh... You know, obviously, the, the main focus of mistakes will be on Allison. Obviously, for the mistakes that he made, because it directly led to a couple of goals. Yes. Uh, but there was the error of judgment in the first half from Fabinho, and that was a you know we got out of yes. jail on that one. Mm-hmm. It, the kind of tackle he would probably do outside the box in midfield, and would be absolutely fine for me. His body shape, he's he's inviting inviting Raheem Sterling to cut inside onto his stronger foot. And, and I think for me that's a fundamental error. And yeah, man, you know, Sterling manufactures the penalty, but Fabinho gives him the invitation to do so. Yeah. And and that's just 
that's a midfielder who has been phenomenal at centre-back, but he's still a midfielder. And I think on the the first one from that came directly from Alisson's mistake, Jordan Henderson has got to also look at himself. And this is no way pointing the finger at him because it, it is on Alisson. But Jordan Henderson was shrugged off so easily where he just needed to jockey the player. Uh, and, and he kind of he takes himself out of it and, and allows that opportunity to be created for, for Gundogan to, to tap the ball in. So, but again, this is a central midfielder playing in a centre-back position where he's not familiar and it's not his role. Uh, and these, you know, these kind of fundamental errors are really, I, I think they play on us. They, maybe the mentally they've played in the back of our minds throughout the season where we know we're not at full strength in the defence. So we, we're kind of hesitant, not wanting to expose those behind the midfield to uh, to situations like we have done today. So I, I'm hoping, as you said, you know, one game a week, this is the opportunity to say, you know what, right, let's get Quebec in there. It can't be any worse than it already is. Balls to the wall. Let's take, you know, let, let's take that handbrake off now. Let's go for it. Let's let's let, let's just, you know, play to our strengths here. Get Henderson back into the midfield. We'll have more rotation options. We'll have more energy in there, and, and hopefully we can we can return to being a much more positively attacking team because so often, as you and you mentioned it about our transitions. So often in this game, we were so slow in the transition. Yeah, we were breaking mm-hmm. and we would break down our own attacks because we would take an extra two, three touches, slow down, come inside, and then the ball would start going backwards. And that was just so unlike Liverpool. It's so unlike a Jurgen Klopp team. We we were well known for for punishing teams on the transition for counter attacks, and today we were sort of stopping our own counter attacks. And yeah. Let's let's work on it. I, I, I don't expect us to uh, to release Fabinho and Henderson back into the midfield. Be one. But at least if we can get Henderson back in there, it will be po- a positive move. Uh, instead of playing two, two central midfielders in centre of defence, and at least if we can say, you know what, let's go for it. You know, whatever happens, happens now. We've got nothing to lose at this point. Let's go for it we can at least return to our roots in terms of being a much more positive uh, and and positively intended uh, attacking team and, and go after teams and let's start scoring some goals because goals are, are, are quite a magical thing when it comes to confidence. They make you feel good. Yeah. So we start scoring some goals. Who knows where, where it might take us because these players might start getting that feeling again once we start hitting the net on a regular basis rather than scraping opportunities together uh, and, and living off scraps. So, I, I, like I've said, I do hope this, this uh, game becomes a turning point for us. And I do think it, uh, I do hope that it's a point where we say, you know what, we, we need to be braver. Let's go for it. What have we got to lose at this stage of the season <laughs> with everything that we've, we've come through? Let's go for it. Let's go after it and see where it takes us. Here, here. And Tadiva, um, your final thoughts before we close up the pod. Uh, just just a personal plea to Jurgen Klopp to please take off the handbrakes because this this is tactical. Like, uh, I, I, It's not something that just happened in this game. It's been happening for months now. 
the players are being told to wait for, you know, not break in a reckless fashion, if we can put that in inverted commas, where we leave ourselves to being exposed at the back to counterattacks. Anytime, it's not just in this game. If you go back and you watch the games that we've played, um, you know, going back months now, anytime we're on the counterattack, on, on a break, um, unless it's been a long ball that goes into their half, if, we, if we're carrying the ball from our half into their half, um, from whoever's carrying it forward, they're, they're being tactically told to slow down and wait for everyone to catch up to play. And that is stifling a lot of our attacking freedom. And please, Klopp, just take the handbrake off. Just let's go and outgun teams because it's not it's not working what he's doing now um, with the whole trying to be conservative and trying to save ourselves at the back. I'd rather lose this game 3-2 if we're trying to outgun them. At least it's it, it's it's more exciting to watch for, for, for me. Um, and then also just to the fans... I know like it's maybe, you know, it's, it's, it's an individual base. I'm not telling anyone how to support the team or anything like that. But from, from my personal perspective, because I've been checked on since October and it, it was to do with how we were approaching games, the injuries that we had and stuff like that. I expected games like this. So I, I, I haven't been getting as upset with Liverpool losses as, um, as I usually would, because I think maybe my standard has dropped, and, and you know, some people say then I'm, I'm not really a fan or whatever. That's water off my back. But the reality is, um, my aim is to get top four, and I've not been as upset this season. There's so much crap going on around the world anyway. To then pile Liverpool on top of that for me it really didn't seem like necessary. So just let's hope that we get top four or you know higher if you bless you if you've got ambitions for things higher than that but let's hope we get top four let's hope we get a deep run in europe and then let's hope that we can regroup next season and come back firing because a lot of things have gone against us this season that were also out of our control uh, some things were in liverpool's control um but yeah it, it's not the end of the world it really isn't. And I think that's why Liverpool are right now are under a microscope with the whole pandemic and this is a, an out and an escapism for people. It's a sense of kind of reality and the reality of, you know, kind of watching the game and stuff and watching Liverpool. And and I think when they perform badly, I think that's why we get like an overreaction and, you know, things like that. But even the football that we're watching is in very, very strange circumstances. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, both of you with your closure points. Right, guys. Um, Thank you so much for listening. I, I hope you um, enjoyed it. Um, try not taking it too personally. Um, hopefully we do bounce back. Big, big thank you to everyone that joined us live. A massive thank you to Dave D. A huge thank you to both Tadiva and Andy. I mean, like, I would have just, like, I would have skipped on this pod, but they're very, very brave. But before I let them go, I'll let them do some plugs. Um, Tadiva, where can people find more of your work and where can people find you on Twitter? Um, more of my work, you can catch me on Rate Don't Hate uh, on AI Pro. So the, <laughs> those ratings are going to be interesting to to go through. Uh, you can also catch, I do a EPL score predictions podcast each week, uh, predicting the Premier League scores for the week coming up. Um, that's uh, on at uh, at the EPL index side of 
side of things. You can catch the Twitter for that at a, um, it's at Tad Predictable. And my Twitter handle is at Tad Predicts. And I think this week we've got Alex Letizia coming on. So she's going to come on and, and, and try her hand at, at getting score predictions and stuff like that. So it should be a fun episode. Wonderful stuff. And do check out um, the, 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 the predictions podcast. Um, it's awesome. And Tadiva's excellent. And Rate Don't Hate as well with both Kay and Guy Drinkle, who are both excellent too. Andy, what about yourself? I know you had that big move and stuff, but where can people find you on Twitter? And, you know, can we expect more work from you? <laughs> uh, any, anything I do will be, uh, will be pushed by my Twitter, which is at Andy Armchair. Um, just occasional writing on there, really, as much as I do at the moment. Um, yeah, part of a, hopefully I'm going to be in the midst of a family move over here to Germany uh, very, very shortly. But I just want to leave you with one, one final thing, and that is the last time that Liverpool lost three consecutive home games was in September of 1963. And the very next game that they played at home after that, they won 6-0. So they I love it. A positive spin, a positive spin. There you go, Reds. Um, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe. Take care. Until next time, up the Reds. Podcast Network.